We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the subject is propaganda. Government propaganda. And are we becoming mindless lemmings with the inability to think for ourselves, where we criticize anyone else who dares to do so? cover these issues and more on today's Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. Earlier in the week, I shared with you um, some snippets from my weekly Washington Times column, which I titled, If You Want to Be Safe, Be a Goldfish. And I essentially went through a lot of the data, the scientific information that's out there, the objective facts that do exist that irrefutably support the longitudinal data proving that natural immunity is actually superior to immunity that's derived from vaccines. And I shared with you other scientists who had Uh, reported on this information in their various different periodicals and articles and whatnot. Now, I wasn't disparaging the fact that vaccines can be used in partnership with natural immunity, but I called into question this peculiar um, demonizing of individuals who are arguing for natural immunity and that it should be acknowledged and attended to and included in the equation on how we respond to COVID-19. Medical doctors such as Rand Paul, for example, who has had COVID, survived it quite well, thank you, and now has all of the antibodies built up to prevent him from getting the disease again. And Rand Paul has pointed this out and he's been ridiculed by a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about. People who aren't even close to being medical professionals. And by the way, Rand Paul is. He's a medical doctor as well as a senator. He's a practicing physician. He's been practicing medicine more recently than Anthony Fauci, who's been in an office for the last hundred years. So when Rand Paul challenged Anthony Fauci and his, what I will call, propaganda, his attempts to brainwash the American public into accepting vaccinations and vaccinations only as a means of combating a viral disease, Rand Paul is raising his hand and and exclaiming, reasonably so, uh, excuse me, Um, virology and immunology 101 taught us that natural immunity is a very strong partner in our attempts to mitigate against diseases, viral diseases. And why are you, Dr. Fauci, ignoring that? And forcing people who have 
natural immunity to go out and get a vaccine that they don't want and don't need? That's a good question. That's a scientific question. That's not a question that should be laden with politics. It's not a political one. Unfortunately, it has become one because of people like Fauci and everybody that are bowing at the altar of scientism rather than the science that Rand Paul is bringing up. So today, I want to repeat some of my closing arguments in my Washington Times column, and then we're going to talk about propaganda and how propaganda has been used throughout the course of human history by despots who seek to control us. I'm going to ask you to be thinking while we talk about propaganda and its nefarious use. I want you to be thinking. I want you to be thinking. I'll say it one more time. I want you to be thinking. Don't emotionalize this. Don't subjectivize this. I want you to think objectively. Are the powers that be using propaganda to silence you, to force you into complicity? Are they trying to orchestrate groupthink? I want you to think of that and ask yourselves those questions throughout the rest of the show. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. Before we get into this topic of propaganda and whether or not it's being used very aggressively by the mainstream media and by the federal government, not just here in the United States, but around the world, this isn't just an American problem. Think of, think of what's going on in Australia right now where, where they're threatening to put unvaccinated people into quarantine camps, internment camps work camps, if you will, that look stunningly like the barracks of Auschwitz. And I'm not exaggerating. I've been to Auschwitz. I know how the barracks are all lined up neatly in an organized rows, and they're forcing people to live there. What about the barracks for Japanese internment camps here in the United States? I've been to some of those, too. When you look at these internment camps, these quarantine camps in Australia, you have to ask yourselves, are these people even aware of what happened five minutes ago in terms of human history and that we've been here before? Anyway, before we get into that, remember that if you would like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. That's patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. And also, my national bestseller, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, that's the subtitle to Not a Daycare, is very pertinent to today's discussion. So you might want to consider go buying that book, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, subtitle to my book, Not a Daycare. And also, obviously, I want you to buy Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, but it's good because it's very pertinent to almost every conversation we have on this show because I'm arguing that human beings weren't created to be safe. We were created to be free, which is a good segue to the rest of the show. 
So in my article in the Washington Times, I argued that, again, on this issue of safety versus freedom, you know, which is our first thing, which is our top priority? Uh, just yesterday, we would have said freedom. Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death. Well, we've turned it on its ear today, apparently, and we say, I fear death, so take my liberty. And in the case of this COVID scare, we're willing to bow in subservience to anyone who will give us safety. We'll give away all of our freedoms for the sake of safety. And I argued in my article in closing, I said, my land... There are many things I do on a daily basis that could harm me or harm someone else. Riding a bike, driving a car, flying in a plane, even grilling a hamburger, sailing a boat, mowing the lawn, tons of sports, playing soccer, playing football, basketball, baseball, skydiving, rock climbing, parasailing. I mean, wrestling with my kids or even marching in a protest for those of you out there who are more progressive-minded. All of these things can be dangerous. You can get hurt doing any of the things I just mentioned. And other people doing those things with you could also be hurt. So my point is this. The list is endless. Human activity, almost by definition, is not safe. And my argument is life isn't safe. And the only way for it to be so would be for us to confine ourselves in sanitized cubicles, like like Michael Ramston suggested at the front end of COVID. Yeah, we could bury ourselves 10 feet underground in 12 foot by 12 foot cubicles that have sanitized air pumped into them and sterilized food fed to us intravenously, and we might extend our average lifespan to 9,500 years of age on average, but is that the way you want to live? In optimal safety. Well, I hope not. I hope you answer, no, I don't think that's what human beings are supposed to be. I mean, we risk disease and injury every morning when we wake up and get out of bed. And then I concluded my article by saying, if you want safety, be a goldfish. Human beings aren't made to be safe. We're created to be free. And then I (laughs) threw out this one at the end. Perhaps the best homework assignment for our nation would be to go back and watch the old 1967-68 movie, Academy Award-winning movie, Born Free, about Elsa the lion, and how the story revolves around the struggle of safety versus freedom. And should this lion, this tame lion that this couple raised in Kenya, should Elsa be kept safe? Should they send her to a zoo or should they try to teach her how to survive in the wild and set her free? And you know the moral of the story. I actually played in my show some of the song from Andy Williams' rendition of Born Free. So here's the story. Yesterday, that article that I just described to you and that I already covered with you in an earlier show, um, it started trending in national news. It was showing up on Apple News, you know, on your iPhone, your smartphone, or whatever you use, where you get these alerts of trending stories nationally on CNN and 
Fox News and C-SPAN and uh, MSNBC and whatnot, they, they, they highlight the trending stories. Well, that article that I wrote for the Washington Times was trending. Well, that's big news for me. And hopefully it is for you, too, that you're listening to somebody who's being attended to by thousands across the nation, and it's trending, and it's starting to gain momentum. In one um, news summary that I received on my smartphone, I believe it was number three in the trending stories. The Hill, for example, had it trending, I think, at number one. Somebody took a screenshot and sent it to me. But then something really strange happened. It disappeared. It was dust in the wind. It was a mist, a vapor. It was gone. I looked at it one second, literally, and then I turned back to look at it again, and it was gone. It hadn't just moved down from number one to number three to number five to number 15. No, it was just gone. It wasn't there. So I contacted the Washington Times to let them know about all of this, and they said, they responded immediately, and they said, well, you've been shadow banned. I'm serious. They knew immediately what happened. The editors and the publishers of the Washington Times responded and said, you've been shadow banned. And you know the reason why? Because the topic, the subject, was natural immunity. Now stop and think about that. Stop and think about that. I wrote an article on natural immunity being good. In the article, I said that it should be in partnership with vaccines. I did not take the anti-vaccine position. I just said natural immunity is good. The evidence shows that it's superior to a strategy, a mitigating strategy, that would focus solely on vaccinations because vaccinations haven't shown themselves longitudinally to be as effective, as efficacious as natural immunity. So we shouldn't ignore those like me who have had COVID and like me are walking vaccines themselves because, like I've told you, I'm saying it with a spring in my step, you know, if you haven't had COVID, your T-cell count is going to be 0 to 50 my T-cell count, according to my doctor, is 2,450. In other words, my body has built up a massive army to fight off this virus. And that's good. That's a good thing, isn't it? Well, for saying that, in this article, I was shadow banned. By who, you might ask? Who's doing this? Well, I don't know. Who do you, who do you think's doing it? bunch of 24-year-olds that were snowflakes just yesterday at Berkeley and Brown crying about their safe spaces being violated because they didn't like unpopular ideas are now making the decisions as to what the nation reads? That's propaganda, people. That's propaganda. Welcome to the brave new world. Welcome to the brave new world where you get shadow banned for saying what I said. And something that the nation was going to read, literally, because it was trending in several news sources, will not be heard. Because they, whoever they is, don't want you to read it. Do you want 
to live in that type of country, in that type of culture. Whether you're progressive, whether you're Democrat, Republican, conservative, independent, libertarian, do you really want to live in that type of country where the minister of propaganda, where the thought police are in control of the things that you read and the things that you can hear, the things that you can actually think about? Well, it's interesting. I posted my complaint, much like what I just described to you, on Facebook and a couple different Facebook sites. Well, one of them that I post on routinely is a Facebook site called Tulsa Rhinos. Um, And there's some people, there are some people on that Facebook site that agree with me, and there are a few that disagree with me. Well, there are a couple on there that disagree with everything I say. The fact that I wake up in the morning is something they disagree with. Uh, They're not very thoughtful people. I don't want to be cruel here, but they're not. They think they're, (laughs) they think they are, but they're just not. So I posted this complaint about being shadow banned. And one person responded to me on Tulsa Rhinos. And he said this, your article was not removed because of its cogent, insightful reasoning. It has now been relegated to the insignificant place it was originally deserving of. (laughs) Um, why? (laughs) In other words, he's not even attempting to refute any of the points in my article. Or he's not even attempting to debate any of um, the things that I believe to be pertinent to this whole discussion. He's just saying your article was not removed because of its cogent, insightful reasoning. It's now been relegated to the insignificant place it was originally deserving of. Well, apparently this disciple of Joseph Goebbels doesn't seem to understand that trending, trending by definition, in fact, does mean that thousands of people did find the article insightful. And if it weren't so, our masters in in the Facebook universe, whoever they are, wouldn't have banned it. So, trending by definition means it was perceived by a lot of people as being worthy of reading and therefore at least insightful to some degree. Um, so, maybe my friend, I recognize that insignificant ideas don't get banned. That's why his posts don't get any attention. Oh, nobody's banning him. Anyway, I'm being mean, I guess. I'm sorry. Do you remember who Joseph Goebbels was? I hope I don't know if my friend that was criticizing me for being insignificant, uh, quote unquote. And... Uh, Nobody was attending to my ideas, even though thousands were attending to my ideas, and that's why they were banned. Uh, I just, you know, the thought processes are just stunningly stupid sometimes. Um, Do you remember who Joseph Goebbels was? I'm going to remind you a little bit. And if my friend at Tulsa Rhinos is listening here, here's a lesson. Joseph Goebbels was Hitler's 
minister of propaganda, okay? He was given charge of what? Arts, theater, entertainment, and the media, Joseph Goebbels. And what was he incredibly gifted at doing? Controlling your mind, controlling the masses. In fact, there's an article in Slate, not a conservative rag, I might add, um, titled, How Hitler Conquered Germany. The subtitle is The Nazi Propaganda Machine. All right. Sidebar, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Sidebar, if you go Google that article, one of the banner ads at the top says, stick it to the enemy. Don't wait to vaccinate. Talk about propaganda on an article that's trying to teach you on how the Nazis used propaganda to conquer Germany. And yet they've got this propaganda banner ad across the top of this page that says, stick it to the enemy, don't wait to vaccinate. Uh, again... Anyway, Joseph Goebbels was the head of the Ministry of Public Enlightenment and Propaganda for Hitler's Germany. And he understood something. Hitler understood something. They understood the modern techniques of opinion formation. They understood that it was almost a religious experience. That's one of the ways they conquered Germany, is they used propaganda Thought control, thought police, the control of information, the silencing of dissent, the repetition of their ideas like don't wait to vaccinate, don't wait to vaccinate, don't wait to vaccinate, don't wait to vaccinate. They understood the power of those ideas in repetition to brainwash people into complicity. In fact, in fact, Goebbels once said this. He said, there are two ways to make a revolution. You can blast your enemy with machine guns until he acknowledges the superiority of those holding the machine guns. That is one way. Or you can transform a nation through a revolution of the spirit. Close quote. So you can level guns against your enemy and kill them until they submit, or you can transform. Sound familiar? Barack Obama fundamentally transform the nation through what? The revolution of the spirit, of the mind, by controlling the ideas, getting people to think lockstep in unison in the way you want them to. That's what Goebbels was the master of, and he was appointed Ministry of Propaganda for Nazi Germany by Hitler himself. And Hitler understood propaganda very well, very well. He understood that, and that was one of the key strategies of the Third Reich. That's what distinguished the Third Reich from previous dictatorships. It was its use of communication, 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 repetition, ideas, the control of ideas to sustain itself and to deprive its citizens of the power of independent thought. That was part of the brilliance 
the nefarious brilliance of the Third Reich. That's how they pulled it off. In fact, Goebbels actually said that Jesus Christ was a master of propaganda. He was a master propagandist because the man who is the best propagandist is the man with the greatest knowledge of the soul. That's Goebbels. Do you get the feeling that what you're witnessing right now in the free world, what used to be the free world, the land of the free and the home of the brave here in the United States of America, do you get the feeling that what's controlling you is propaganda, the control of ideas? The shadow banning of articles like mine is just evidence of that. And it's not hypothetical. I'm not making it up. It happened. I've got the screenshots. And I'm small potatoes. If they're shadow banning me, do you think that people who actually have a huge platform that might be against the narrative are being shadow banned in spades? People like Senator Rand Paul? People who actually have a contribution to make, who should be attended to, who should be listened to. And if you're going to actually say you believe in science, then the definition of science is that you always, always attend to the data and adjust your hypothesis accordingly. In other words, you go back and admit that your hypothesis was off. It was wrong. You reformulate the hypothesis, excuse me, You reformulate the hypothesis on the basis of the facts that you attain through your research. You don't shadow ban people and information. You don't shut it down. This is Orwellian. This is Orwellian. The dystopian novels of uh, Ray Bradbury and uh, Huxley and Orwell, 1984. These dystopian novels all talk about the control of information, the control of people through the control of their ideas. If you can absorb the individual into a mass of like-minded people with the use of suggestion, the use of control, the use of repetition, the use of don't wait, vaccinate type slogans that you browbeat into their minds to the point where they actually strike out against anyone who dares disagree with the narrative, you can create a dangerous enemy. You can fabricate an enemy. You can make everybody out to be an anti-vaxxer or a white supremacist or some other evil and nefarious person that's standing against the safety of the nation. This is where we are, people. This is where we are. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left, and there is no truth if there is no debate, if there's no contrary idea, if there's no challenge of the narrative. We're going to suffer the devastating consequences of abandoning truth. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.